I want to talk with you tonight about something that is absolutely essential to your salvation. Now, if I were to say that, a subject concerning which it is absolutely essential to your salvation, what would you think I was talking about? Well, uh, it might be faith, right? You've got to have faith to be saved. Hebrews 11:6, one of our memory verses, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. You've got to have faith. That's the salvation subject, right? You've got to have faith to be saved. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. Uh, maybe we could talk about uh, works of obedience, because those are necessary too, right? Uh, James 2, verse 24, you're not saved by faith only. James 2, verse 26, faith without works is dead. So we could be talking about works of obedience when we talk about something essential to salvation. We're not talking about that either. Tonight, what we want to talk about is the subject introduced by the reading that Cole did just a few moments ago. We want to talk about forgiveness. Look at that text again in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Do you see how important that is? Uh, in other words, your salvation is dependent upon this. If you don't, if you don't forgive, as the Scriptures teach, then you could be lost yourself eternally in hell. And so it is a very important subject. We want to revisit this subject. I've only ever preached on this once before here at College View, and as I look back at my record, it was 11 years ago. I think I may have been misunderstood in some of the things I said. Since then, there have been references to, to, to this subject of forgiveness uh, in Bible classes and so forth. Some passing comments have been made. Uh, I don't think that they have been thorough or complete or necessarily clear. And so I accept uh, blame for not being able to explain myself carefully on this. I also think that some of the subsequent comments that have been made uh, have not really thoroughly explained the subject or maybe even accurately dealt with it. So I hope to clarify that in our study tonight. As always, I encourage you, if you have any questions, if there's something you disagree with, uh, something you, that I have not made clear, please see me. I'm, I'm anxious to talk with you about anything like that. So please see me if you have any misgivings about what we'll discuss tonight on the subject of forgiveness. Before we get further into that study, we thank you for being here. I think we've got a, a, a good group of committed people here tonight because there are other things that could have kept you away. Certainly the weather is not too, too fair, uh, and there are other things going on that some people would want to get involved in. Your presence here tonight is a, is a commendable thing, and we're glad that you're here and uh, always look forward to our time together in worship. Thanks for being here. What about forgiveness? What can we say about forgiveness? I want to I want to develop a part of this subject that I don't think we've talked about much, uh, and, and we need to. And that is, what about a situation where no sin is involved? When sin is not involved, we can and should forgive unilaterally. Now, I want to emphasize, we're talking about a situation where there is no sin. Let's say, for instance that a situation has developed and I feel slighted in the matter. You know, they invited other people to their house for dinner and they didn't invite me. You know, I feel slighted. Well, that's not a sin. Maybe an oversight. Maybe a misjudgment. But it's not a sin. They don't have to invite me to their house for dinner. And so that's not a sin. And so I should just let that pass. I should forgive that. I should not think about that anymore. Or someone said something that, that hurt my feelings, you know. 
your hair looks like it was cut with a bowl. You know, well, that kind of hurt my feelings. He criticized my haircut. Oh, well, no sin involved. He just, you know, he hurt my feelings, but it's not a sin to hurt my feelings. And in situations like that, where no sin is involved, I ought to just let that pass. I ought to forgive that. Uh, and, And the other person doesn't even have to say anything about it. I can just let that go, and I should. Uh, I, I think that there's a biblical precedent for that sort of thing. And I want to give you this verse as as a uh, support to that conclusion. In Luke chapter 7, beginning verse 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Now, the point Jesus is making here is people who are forgiven of more uh, are more thankful for what they, has been done for them. Uh, that was the point Jesus was making. But look at the, the, the scenario that he described there. Two men incurred a debt. Well, there's no sin in incurring a debt, right? One had incurred a larger debt than the other, but they both had incurred debt. And the man to whom they owed that money, frankly, forgave them both. They couldn't do anything about what they owed. And he just let it go, right? There wasn't any sin involved in that uh, scenario. And I think that sets, uh, establishes the concept that we want to think about for just a moment there. That when no sin is involved, uh, I should just forgive freely, unilaterally. The other person doesn't even have to do anything in order for me to just let that go on by. I think we can be better about doing that, honestly. I think as, as Christians, we should be better about that. A lot of times through the years, my experience has been, and, may, and I would not be surprised to know that your experience also has been, that Christians can be very petty about things that they ought to just let go. Don't even worry about that. It's not even important. No sin is involved. Just let that pass. I think we can do better. Uh, unfortunately, so often uh, in congregations, you see situations that cause big issues that ought not to be issues at all if brethren would just say, I'm going to let that go. Uh, that's not a sin, maybe a bad judgment, maybe, you know, and, and obviously we all, our, our goal ought to be to make good judgment, not to hurt people's feelings, not to slight other individuals and so forth. Sometimes it happens. We can just let that go because no sin is involved. When no sin is involved, we can and should forgive unilaterally. All right, with that point in mind, then let's go to this. When sin is involved, we should forgive just like God forgives. Now, if you please don't mistake the contrast we're making here. We're contrasting a situation where no sin is involved. I can just forgive that unilaterally. But when sin is involved, that's a whole different situation. And we're told to forgive like God forgives. We're to forgive, that's commanded, and we're told how. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32... It says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Notice, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Just as. And so I don't think you could have a clearer statement saying, you forgive, and you forgive like God does. And so not only are we told what to do, we are given the perfect pattern to follow in regards to forgiveness. And so, since that's how we're supposed to forgive, we ask the question, how does God forgive? We're supposed to forgive. When sin is involved, we're to forgive just as God does. Well, first of all, He is willing to forgive. And on each one of these, I'm going to do this right here, just to emphasize a point. 
he is and we should be willing to forgive. You know, it, it cannot be the, the kind of situation that you've heard represented by people's expression. I don't, I, I don't care what happens. I wouldn't forgive him in a million years. I'll go to my grave with, uh, holding that against him. I'll never forgive him for what he did. Uh-uh. No. We cannot be that way. What's God's disposition? 1 Timothy 2, beginning verse 3, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God desires to forgive us. He's, not, he's willing. He wants to. And that's the way we should be. When someone has sinned against us, again, emphasis on sin. When someone has sinned against us, we should want to develop a situation wherein they are forgiven and we can forgive them. In Psalm 86, verse 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. I really want to emphasize to you that God is ready to forgive. Now, it doesn't say that He just forgives, but it says He's ready to forgive. And that's the way that we should be. Sometimes we're not. We act like we actually want to keep an issue alive. And we carry ill will. And we have sort of a chip on our shoulder. And, you know, the other person can't do enough to satisfy us. And that's just wrong. We need to be like God. And that is to be willing to forgive. In fact, I would take that another step further. And we've used this expression before. Not only is God willing to forgive us, but He's aggressive to forgive us. And and I'll have to explain what I mean. Willing is one thing. Yeah, I will if if they hit all their marks just right. I'm going. They're going to they're going to have to really toe the line before I forgive them. I'm willing, but it's going to be a tough road for them to get to where where they're forgiven. That's that's not the situation. God's not only willing to forgive; He is, and we should be aggressive. We're pursuing the situation wherein we can forgive that person who has sinned against us. The perfect picture of God's hard work, moving strongly in the direction of forgiving us is Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, and so he didn't, uh, he didn't have to. We were sinners and unworthy, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. And so that's the way God is, and Jesus taught that's the way we ought to be. That we ought to work hard to make forgiveness possible for the one who has sinned against us. Look in Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he has, shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now, now we've, we've studied that passage before. And I'm just using it here to emphasize, I go to him. He wronged me, Right? If your brother shall trespass against thee, he wronged me, he did me wrong, he sinned against me. I'll tell you what, I'm going to sit over here and wait until he comes over here and makes it right. Now, he, he knows, he knows what the situation is, and I'm over, I'll, I'll listen to him if he comes, but he's going to have to come over here and talk to me before we get over this thing. No, that's not the picture there, is it? I go to him to urge him to make it right. And that's the way it needs to be. Uh, again, all too often, sometimes we, we act as though we're glad to let a, a matter linger. Uh, and, and we're not interested in bringing it to a conclusion. That's not the picture of God's forgiveness. God very actively pursued 
the possibility of our forgiveness. And we ought to pursue the chance to forgive another, making it possible in every way that's in our power. So not just willing, but aggressive to forgive those who sin against us. Now, having said that, we also have to point out that God forgives conditionally, and we should too. Uh, you understand the idea of conditions. To get something, you have to do something. Conditions. And I believe that in, in, in the matter of sin, certainly we know that God forgives on the basis of us meeting His conditions of pardon. We know what those are. Uh, for the alien sinner, John 8, 24, if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in sin. You've got to believe. You've got to repent. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, 3. You've got to uh, confess. Romans 10, verse 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. We have to be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We know that. We've memorized the plan of salvation. Now, these are not all the same verses that we're currently memorizing. But the idea of that is that there are conditions. An alien sinner who comes to the Lord must meet certain conditions. In fact, these, these very statements speak of conditionality if you believe not. You've got to believe. Except you repent. You've got to repent. If thou shalt confess. That's conditionality. If is the, is the very word of conditionality. You've got to believe and be baptized to be saved. So, God has conditions for the alien sinner to be forgiven. He also has conditions for those who are in Christ and sin. You remember the account of uh, Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8.22. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. So for those who are Christians and sin, repent and pray. We sometimes call that the second law of pardon. God is willing. He aggressively pursues forgiveness for us but he places conditions on that. Um, I think probably no better illustration of that than can be seen is in the case of Jesus. When he was hanging on the cross, Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus, uh, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, that's a very famous statement of Jesus on the cross, you remember. What was involved in that forgiveness? Was that just... Forgive God, forgive them unconditionally. Did God forgive unconditionally? Forgive the people who had hung Jesus on the cross? No, we know better. In Acts chapter two, on the day of Pentecost, Peter's sermon had convicted the people in his audience of the very crime of crucifying Jesus. Well, why was he preaching to them if this was an unconditional forgiveness that Jesus extended? God just forgive them. Then why did he, Peter even preach to them? But he preached to them, and when they were convicted of their sin, what did they say? Men and brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, don't have to do anything. Jesus already forgave you unconditionally. You know better than that, right? Men and brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And so, I think that's a great example of this idea. Yes, you talk about willing and anxious and aggressive to forgive sinners, what a perfect picture in Jesus. All that He suffered to make our salvation possible. But even at that, there were still conditions that had to be met. Now, what about us? We often reference this verse, and I think it's the one that shows the same thing is true of our forgiveness of another who has sinned. In Luke 17, verse 3, Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. 
And there's that word, if. That is the word of conditionality. And so, if a brother sins against me... now. Remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about a situation where sin is involved. What am I supposed to do? I'm to rebuke him if he, if he repents, forgive him. What if he doesn't repent? What if he doesn't repent? What if he, what if he has no godly sorrow at all? He makes no change in his action at all? Well, that verse says I, I'm not to forgive him in that situation. I'm, I'm to keep working for his forgiveness, right? I need to keep doing what we've already talked about. I'm willing, I'm ready to forgive him, I'm anxious to forgive him, I'm pursuing the the opportunity to forgive him. I want to keep going to him and urging him to repent. But until he repents, this verse says that forgiveness is not there. God doesn't forgive until we meet his conditions. And, and so this verse says that we should forgive. And remember, our premise is we're to forgive like God does. We don't forgive until there is repentance. Let me let me suggest something to you here for a minute. What if I decide I'm not going to do that? Here's this brother who has sinned against me. He's done something awful to me. And it's, it's not just a slight. He didn't just hurt my feelings. I like were talking about earlier. He actually sinned against me, okay? Uh, you know, maybe he lied about me or he stole something from me. And so I said, well, I'm I'm just going to... I'm just going to forgive him. I'm just going to let that pass. I'm not going to say anything about it. Do you realize that I've actually, if, if I do that, I'm actually doing him a huge spiritual disservice because I should be trying to lead him to repentance. He's lost, right? He's in sin and he hasn't repented of his sin and I should be working hard to provoke him to repentance. But if I say, I, I, I'm just going to forgive him unconditionally. I'm, I, I'm actually doing wrong then, wouldn't you agree? If I decide to forgive unconditionally when my brother has sinned against me, then I'm short-circuiting the plan that God has in place for his salvation. I'm to go to him. I'm to plead with him. I'm to lead him to repentance. But if I just say, well, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to forgive him unconditionally. I'd be doing wrong. I think I'd actually be doing wrong in that case. What else do we know about God's forgiveness? He forgives absolutely uh too often we really never get over something when it has happened and it is always an issue it's like an open seething wound i'll never forget what he did to me you know we say no that's not the pattern of god's forgiveness god's forgiveness is that he forgives absolutely look at psalm 103 beginning verse 8 the lord is merciful and gracious he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far, notice this, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. That's a beautiful statement. I I want to tell you, I am thankful that we have a God like that. Now, I don't deserve that. Notice, notice He said, He had not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. If He did, we're in a terrible shape. You know, if He, if He gave us what we deserve, we're in, we're in a horrible shape. But He has forgiven us absolutely. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. God forgives absolutely, and we should too. Furthermore, God forgives permanently, and we should. Uh, all of this about forgiveness, you know, when you think about all, the, all that 
we're being instructed to do. I want to tell you, this is hard stuff. The, to really forgive, like the Scriptures say we should forgive, is not an easy thing. It's a very challenging assignment. It's a tough thing. One of the things that we should do, because God does it, and we're to forgive like God does, we're to forgive permanently. He does. What I mean here is, you know, sometimes people sort of keep a matter in reserve, you know. Uh, oh, well, yeah, that happened in the past, and oh, brother so-and-so, he did wrong, but he, he uh, I have to say, he repented, and he asked for forgiveness, and, and I forgave him. But I want to tell you, if he crosses me again, I, I'm going to bring that right back up. You know, just, if, if he ever messes up again, buddy, I'll be on him like a duck on a June bug. I'm, I, I've got this in my mind, and I'm ready to drop it on him at a moment's notice, alright? No. Wrong picture. We should forgive permanently like the Lord does. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning verse 16, the Hebrew writer is actually quoting from Jeremiah 31. And in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah the prophet was telling what it would be, how wonderful it would be in the new covenant under the Messiah. Now we're actually in that covenant situation under our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's the covenant that we're in. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, and I will write, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Notice the Lord is not remembering that. He's not calling that up again. Sometimes we use the expression forgive and forget. And if you explain, if you explain it properly, I think that is a fair concept and probably comes from a statement like this about how God forgives us. He does not remember those things anymore. Now, I believe that the expression he will remember no more means that he'll never call that up again. He's never going to make us accountable for that again. That's a path. It's not that he can't recall that it happened. It, it is that he doesn't call it up to our account again. He doesn't put it on our record again. He forgives that. And it's never brought up again as a, as a obligation or an accountability on our part. He, he forgives permanently. So what about God's forgiveness? He's willing to forgive, and we should be too. He's aggressive to forgive, and we should too. He forgives conditionally, and we should too. He forgives absolutely, and we should too. He forgives permanently, and we should too. One more thing. He forgives again and again, and we should too. Notice about God's forgiveness. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that's a statement made to Christians, people who've already been forgiven of sins in the past, right? John was writing to Christians, and so for those of us who are Christians, we understand we've been forgiven of our past sins, but that's not to say we, we won't sin again, as we do from time to time. And so, this is a great promise to us. If we forgive our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He keeps on forgiving. He forgives again and again and again. How many times has God needed to forgive you? How many times has He needed to forgive me? I've been a Christian for many years, and He's had to forgive me a lot of times. And what a wonderful thing is that He keeps on forgiving. He never says, okay, that's enough. Now, I've been forgiven that, Greg, for all these years, and I'm fed up with it, and, and no more. I'm done forgiving Him. No, He never gets there. He just keeps on forgiving. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Is that absolutely incredible about God that He can forgive like that? We're so, we're so blessed that we have a God who forgives again and again. Now, 
us. We're to do the same. Forgive just like God forgives. Matthew 18, verse 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seven, seventy times seven. And I actually think, and I believe you would agree with me, he wasn't saying count up to 490 and then you can quit. Because I've, I've needed a lot more than 490 times, haven't you? And so he wasn't just saying 490, he was just saying limitless. You just keep on forgiving. And that's the way God does it, and that's the way that we should do it as well. All right. So we have, we have a command to forgive, and we have the perfect pattern of forgiveness in God. And we are to forgive just as He has forgiven us. Well, we know how He forgives, and it's a beautiful thing. And we need to strive to, to that ideal, alright? Now, please keep in mind what we said, we're contrasting two situations. One situation, the first one we talked briefly about is a situation where no sin is involved. I can just let that go. I can just let that pass. I can forgive unilaterally. The other, the other, you know, if Arthur hurt my feelings with something he said, uh, I, he, it's not, he didn't sin. You know, I can just let that go. I don't even have to go to Arthur. I don't have to say anything to him about it. You know, just let that pass. But if Arthur sinned against me, then I got another situation on hand. And then I forgive in the pattern that, that is revealed here concerning how God forgives us. I really think, you know, I mean, that that is what we ought to do unilaterally. This we can't do unilaterally. If we were to forgive unilaterally in a situation where someone had sinned against us, we'd actually be doing them a huge spiritual disservice. It would be wrong to forgive unconditionally when someone has sinned against us. We need to work to their repentance. We need to keep working to their repentance. We can never say, well, I talked to him once and he didn't make it right, and so... Let it be. You know, he can just stew on it. And, and if he ever wants to get around and talk to me again, he can. But I, no, 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 no. We're going to keep, we're going to keep on keeping on. We're going to keep working for his repentance. Now, something we got to stress is that grudge holding and bitterness is never right. I want to really stress this because for some reason, I, I, I'm, I'm rather surprised, but for some reason I've been misunderstood on this point. And some have suggested that the position that I've taught about conditional forgiveness justifies a person harboring a grudge or being bitter toward a person who has wronged them. And if you don't hear anything else I say tonight, please hear this. That is not my position. Grudge holding and bitterness are sins, and we cannot harbor grudges or be bitter. James chapter 5, verse 9, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. You can't bear a grudge. Ephesians 4, verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Bitterness is a sin. We cannot be bitter. And so, in this kind of a situation where we're trying to work to bring a brother to repentance so he can be forgiven, even in the process of that, uh, we can't be bitter about it. We can't say, oh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm so mad at him, I could, you know, I could pinch his head off. And he's going to have to really work hard if he wants me to forgive him. He's going to have to jump through a lot of hoops. No, 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 no. You get that? So please understand, I am not justifying anyone to hold a grudge or to be bitter against another person. Those things are wrong. We cannot. Actually, our conduct toward a person who has sinned against us, if we do justice, would you say 
that God, in His manner of forgiving those who sin, has shown overwhelming love? Yes, right? So if we did the same thing that He did, try to, try to attain to that ideal pattern, we would actually be showing a great measure of love toward a sinning brother. And that's what we should do. And that's not grudge holding. And that's not bitterness. Alright? Finally, one last point. Forgiveness does not always remove the consequences of our deeds. Not all the consequences. Forgiveness removes the, the sin consequence of our deeds, but sometimes there are lingering consequences uh, that remain. Uh, maybe a, a couple of examples. A guy robs a bank, and he gets caught and arrested. And while he's in jail, maybe even while he's awaiting trial, he comes to himself and he right, realizes he's wrong and he seeks forgiveness. Uh, either he becomes a Christian or, or he was an unfaithful Christian, he is restored. Is he forgiven of his sin, of robbing the bank? Yeah, but he's still going to go to jail, right? I mean, sometimes consequences linger even after forgiveness has happened. Maybe a more practical example would be like this. Because I don't think we got any bank robbers in the audience tonight. Maybe a more practical example would be this. Here's a man, and he's mean, and he's hateful, and he's abusive of his wife and his children, both physically and emotionally. And he's just a, he's just a bad person. He, he calls himself a Christian, but he doesn't live very well. But over time, God's Word touches his heart, and he changes. And he begs his wife and his children to forgive him for all the meanness and hatefulness that he's poured upon them over the years. And they do. He begs their forgiveness and they forgive him. Which they should, right? But it's just unrealistic to even imagine that the relationship in that family would be as though those things had never happened. There's some scars there that are real and enduring. And so they've forgiven him but the price of his sin for him is that he probably will never have the close relationship with them that he would have had had he never done those things. You, you get my point on that? That being so, that, that stands as a warning for us about sin. You can be forgiven a sin. You can be forgiven for any sin. God will forgive you for any sin. And if we're right... We should forgive you for any sin, but that's not to say that there might not be some lingering consequences even after forgiveness has happened. You know, here, here's, a, here's an example from the Bible in Numbers chapter 14. This comes just after the episode with the spies, when the spies were sent into the promised land. And God was ready to wipe Israel out because of their lack of faith and, and their rebellion. And Moses beseeched God on behalf of the people. Numbers 14, verse 19, Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according to the, the great greatness of thy mercy. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. In other words, God said to Moses, Okay, I will. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke, provoke me see it. So Moses pleaded for God to forgive the rebellious Israelites and he said, I have, but the consequence, the lingering consequence of, of that was, you're not going to the promised land, though. And so we need to realize that even though forgiveness can happen, it doesn't necessarily wipe out all the consequences that might linger. It, 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 re, it removes the sin consequences, but the 
this life consequences may linger. And that needs to be a warning. You know, it's not like I can do anything I want and then I'll just get forgiven for it. That should not be our attitude because even though we're forgiven, there's still a price to pay a lot of times for sins that we have committed. We need to remember that. What would we say? Well, I think we need to uh, recognize that forgiveness is a hard, difficult, and complex subject. I think often more difficult or more involved than sometimes we give it credit for. I think it's often misunderstood. I think the subject of forgiveness is often misunderstood. I think I've been misunderstood. So I would just urge you again, if there's anything I said tonight that you don't understand or maybe even something you disagree with, please see me and let's talk about that. Any concerns or issues you might have. In conclusion... Let me mention one more time what a blessing it is that we have a God in heaven who is a forgiving God. What a wonderful thing. Uh, in fact, it's, it's almost beyond comprehension. How could God forgive us so much? How could He again and again and again continue to forgive us for so much? What a wonderful thing we have a God like that. And as we bring the lesson to a close, we're ready to sing this song of invitation. We would just beseech you to seek God's forgiveness. Do what's needed to be right with God. He stands ready, willing, and anxious to forgive you. If you've never become a Christian, do so by obeying that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're a Christian already and fallen away, come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.